Darwin Hastings shouldered his backpack to be doing something and checked to see his ticket was still in his jacket side pocket. With the call for boarding, he stepped to the gate, walked down the covered walkway, and showed his ticket stub to the flight attendant, who pointed him to the fifth-row window seat. The empty tension of being homeless and alone captured him. He tried to appear confident and in control. Minutes later, an older woman with smog-gray hair pulled into a tight bun leaned over from the aisle. I'd like the window seat, young man. The grating, demanding tone of her voice flustered him. He felt ashamed he wasn't more resilient. He checked his ticket again. You need to step out to let me in, she said. There are people waiting. This is my seat, he said, pointing to the stub and not knowing what he should do. You can sit in my middle seat, she said impatiently, ignoring his evidence. I like the window, he said. He wished he'd been more assertive. The woman waved her hand toward the front of the plane. Stewardess, she yelled. Was this to be his new life? Ordered around by domineering strangers with him unable to succeed when he was clearly in the right? The flight attendant arrived and examined tickets. You're in the middle, she said to the woman. They told me they had no window seats, but I could switch when I was inside, the woman said. The flight attendant leaned over to Darwin. Would you mind, she asked, her forced smile ready to disappear. Darwin climbed out of his seat into the aisle. The old woman was already moving to take the window seat when she said to Darwin, Would you put that green overnight bag in the overhead for me? He decided it wasn't important enough to object. He lifted the bag easily into the overhead. He sat down in the middle seat and searched for his seat belt. A gray-suited, middle-aged man sat next to him in the aisle seat and slipped an expensive-looking leather briefcase under the seat in front of him. The plane took off. At 10,000 feet, Darwin reached into his backpack for earphone plugs and his digital player. You shouldn't do that. It will make you retarded, the old woman said to Darwin. That is ridiculous, the man next to Darwin said in a deep, rich, authoritative voice. A lot you know, the woman said. I am a physician. Well, those things make you deaf, and then you become retarded. Not deaf, if the volume is at a reasonable level, and never retarded. Darwin tucked the player in the earplugs back into his backpack. The man sat rigid with his back straight. Darwin straightened his spine. Is he your father? the woman asked Darwin. I am not his father, the man said. I am dedicated to halting misleading and erroneous information, especially in matters of health. I am not stupid, the woman said. That's arguable, the man said under his breath, but loud enough for Darwin to hear. Why are you traveling alone? the woman asked Darwin. Darwin didn't answer. Where are your parents, boy? In Pittsburgh? she persisted. Dead, said Darwin. They died. That should end the conversation, he thought. Oh, you poor boy. I'm so sorry. Are you going home? I'm going to my cousin's. He's a famous football player. You're leaving Pittsburgh? Yes, ma'am. The woman looked out of the window into a cloud to ponder the developments.
Who is your cousin? the man asked after a few minutes. He'd been reading a medical journal. Luther Pinelli. You're going to live with him? With Luther? Yes, sir. What an opportunity, he said. The woman leaned slightly over Darwin toward the man to give him a spiteful frown. How could living with a football player be an opportunity? They take drugs, you know, to make them play better. It's on the television. My cousin doesn't do that, Darwin said emphatically, angered by her assuredness without fact. I don't believe it, the woman said.